I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the very first Ruler Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, and I am so excited to be here. Uh, I am uh, talking today all the way across the pond in London. So I'm in Denver, Colorado. And um, today I'm talking to digital editor Peter Stewart. Uh, Peter, how's it going? It's good, Dan. Really happy to be here with you. It's not, I'm kind of jealous always because you're in Colorado and I'm here in London. And Colorado is where every cyclist who's been to Colorado dreams of living. So congratulations on that once again. Hey, hey, I, I hit the lottery there. I, although I am just sitting in a basement right now, so it's not as glamorous as you might expect. <laughs> uh, well, Peter, it's, it's awesome to talk to you. I, I love catching up with you. And um, this is exciting for me because this is the very first episode of the tech podcast here at Rulur. And we, we're going to experiment with a lot of different uh, show types. But today we're starting with a with a pretty fun one, I think, uh, because basically we just get to argue. Uh, and so so that's what I'm really good at is, is arguing and complaining. It's sort of my two strong points. So today we're going to do a point counterpoint. And uh, basically, Peter uh, has decided to be on one side of an issue, and I've decided to be on the other. And today's topic, Peter believes that wireless shifting is the future. And I think it isn't. And so today we're going to do a little, a little back and forth here, a little point counterpoint. But before we dive into that, uh, for those of you listening, let me give you a little bit of a, of a background on, on what we're talking about and why we're talking about it. So uh, I've, I've been reading a lot about STI shifting late, lately and, and Shimano's development of that in the early 90s and how that sort of revolutionized uh, shifting and, and really in racing and riding. I mean, it was just so much easier for people to... To, to shift more quickly and, and attack more secretively, really, so you can get the jump on your on your competition. And then for the longest time, that was sort of the, the, the shifting method, and that was just the best. That was what everybody did. Uh, every, all the other brands sort of caught up with Shimano and made their own sort of uh, indexed, uh, integrated system uh, until 2009, when the next big revolution happened. And again, it was Shimano, uh, and they developed DI2 which was wired uh, electronic shifting. And that was just mind-blowing. Uh, it, was, it was the next big thing. It made shifts so quick, so easy, so crisp, uh, and in the battery life lasted forever. So it was really just something we had not seen before. It was really a revolution. At this point, that was, that was over 10 years ago now, almost 12, and it wasn't until 2015 uh, that we saw another really incredible revolution, which was SRAM's ETAP system, which was 
wireless. Now, I was at the 2015 Tour de France, and that was the year we started started to see it trickling out. And we saw, uh, I think it was AG2R at that year. I think it was that team. Uh, I spotted it on those bikes. I said, boy, those, those derailers don't have wires. That's something. Uh, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, how do they make it secure and, and all this other stuff. It was very mysterious. Wireless wasn't exactly new at that point. Uh, Mavic, uh, years and years earlier, had developed a, a group set called Mektronic, uh, and that was a wireless system. And uh, it did not stick because it was uh, very finicky. Uh, it, it didn't always <laughs> shift when you needed it to shift, which was <laughs> very problematic. Uh, but it was, it was a bold uh, attempt. SRAM did something a little different. They, they, and obviously technology has advanced since then, so SRAM had a, a little bit more of an upper hand for, than Mavic did at the time. But SRAM developed its own wireless protocol uh, called Area to ensure that you couldn't hack the system and uh, it made the shifts a lot more, more quick and all that. So that was a big, big development. And since then, we've seen more companies attempt wireless systems. Uh, Magura developed a wireless dropper post. SRAM now has one as well. There's all sorts of integrated wireless components. So with, with where we are right now, and Shimano, it seems, is, is probably developing some sort of wireless capabilities as well. So where we are now with shifting and and the sort of the the high end of the of the the cycling world is is probably on electronic shifting especially for for racing uh well, you know shimano's still using wires fsa has a semi-wired system semi-wireless uh peter thinks that the future is wireless and we're going to just see wires go away and that that includes by the way as a technicality peter <laughs> that you're going to have to address uh that you know that also means sort of the end of cable actuated systems uh, I'm not quite sold that everything will become wireless in the future. I think it's got a bright future, but I, I'm not quite sure that it is the future. So, Peter, let's jump, let's jump in. It's, uh, it's your turn. Let, let's start with the point. The point is wireless is the future. Why do you think that? Lots of reasons. And actually, I'd like to say great introduction and well done for mentioning the Mavic uh, Mectronic system because a lot of people forget that. You know, SRAM yeah. and uh, <laughs> Shimano, neither of them are first to it. Mavic, the kings of the group set game for so long, yeah. <laughs> beat yeah. them by country mile. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're right, it was a nightmare. But it was a really smart system, actually. I remember reading about that because it was actually driven by the by the jockey wheel, wasn't it? So a solenoid switched and it wasn't. The battery didn't power the motor like the modern systems. The solenoid switched so that the actual movement of the chain powered the shift, which I think was so clever, so French, like needlessly smart, and it didn't work at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Needlessly smart, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so to argue the point for wireless, uh, well, I think there's, there's so many benefits to a wireless system when I look at it on the whole. I think, generally speaking, as a user experience, when you're looking at wireless, it just makes things so much more straightforward. You have just you know two controls and you have two derailers that are operated by that. And then, you know, to the extent of the same thing as electronic group sets, there's so much accuracy in the shifting and it you know always shifts correctly. It shifts under pressure. And more or less, I think people have an easier way of getting their heads around it. And when it's broken, it's broken, you know, whereas they a lot of time with, with cable tension, people really struggle to work out, you know, what's going on with the cable stretch and things like this. But I'll get onto that point later actually, because that's a slightly different one. But Wireless, and I'm always kind of, I used to be a real traditionalist, now I'm beating the drum for modernity because I think wireless shifting is one of these steps towards modernizing cycling as a sport. And it is a sign more of what we'd expect from the auto industry, something that really is cutting edge, takes advantage of the latest technologies, you know, Bluetooth, smart and stuff like that, ANT plus, to deliver like a really intuitive system 
that works really well and also offers a lot more information to the rider a lot of the time you know with these kind of uh controls through garments where you can see which gear you're in and then you can have you know third-party apis work out exactly what the best cadence view is based on the information that's fed through that is for di2 as well because you know i know shimano di2 does have that compatibility with garmin but i think in an old wireless world all these group sets are going to have interactions with your phone interactions with your cycling computer now uh the next point so that's the broad first point which is just okay. usability it being broadly a more modern and cooler thing oh the next okay. point I say so is now, that... now you're saying i'm not cool okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you'd be right but that's okay <laughs> yeah well, uh, what am i getting myself into here <laughs> yeah so so i'm gonna get lots of hate mail from traditional yeah. cable lovers here i'm gonna have so, everybody send you letters now yeah <laughs> yeah to, to be expected i deserve it yeah. um so yeah. second point is a really simple one i think lighter weight and i know that it might not be true that the wireless groups that's all the lightest right now but i think it will be because there's so much less material that's necessary for it and i think we see that with um you know simply there's no cabling you've got like loads of meters of cable that isn't necessary meters of housing that isn't necessary you know all this stuff that doesn't need to be there and then beyond that, you also have the fact that it gives you the opportunity to have smaller batteries that don't have to have cables to everything, and you have less, you know, kind of central control points. And I think these smaller batteries, I think, are separately are a really cool thing because um, I just think having a small battery in each derailleur and a t- tiny battery in each shifter is so much better for replaceability. You can always get a spare. You can carry spares with you, um, which will probably be actually related to a, l- a later point. But on the whole, I think a lighter weight element is really appealing. Now, the third point, is about uh, actually frame design, and that's I, was, I spoke about it there with the cable housing. But you know, frames have always been really constricted by the nature of where cables have to go. Where's that tension point? How are you going to be able to have cable inlets, cable outlets that effectively allow a clear line of cable from one point to another and give you points where you can you know mount that cable, feed that cable, and points where you can mount derailers that are appropriate relate to that cable. I think wireless shifting just means that you can really throw away the rule book and say, well, the derailleur goes here, doesn't matter you know, where the cables are, doesn't matter where the inlets are, you can basically have complete blanks all over the frame. You, you can have a completely smooth frame, you know, no internals, no externals, and I think that's really cool. For frame design, it opens a lot of opportunities, and I think a lot of frame designers would say, yeah, that's really taken one of the main restrictions in how we design frames out of the game, so we can just design completely freely to what we think is the best frame. Um, so I think that's a big one, I'd say. Um, the next one, again, I sort of alluded it to already, but I just think the maintenance issue, I think, is really important. And so firstly, you haven't got this cable stretch that I mentioned before. You haven't got you know, the issues of just having to kind of carefully tension each bit of each derailleur and each kind of uh, cable tensioner. Um, you know, generally speaking, they pretty much work. Obviously, there's limits within that, but the setup when you know it, it's pretty straightforward. Mostly, it'll be done for you, and it will stay within a degree of certainty. As I have not known Di2 or ETAP to suddenly go out go out of sync, but um, yeah, uh, there's that on this electronic side. Then on the purely wireless side, I think when you're traveling. It's such a godsend when you can just take the derailleur off and just pop it between the chain stays or what have you. And you can just remove bits like this, bits here or there. And if you're removing parts of the bike, it's completely modular. You don't have to rethink the whole thing and say, let's you know redo the entire cable housing. You can say the lever's broken, here's a new lever. You know, I have to be honest, I don't actually remember how you do the pairing of a new lever, but you just effectively can just pair it as far as I understand. You might need to have some third-party SRAM software or what have you. Um, and I think that's just so much better than you know having to actually reroute the cabling and put new wires in and stuff like that. So I think for maintenance and travel, that's a big appeal. One other thing for the travel thing, and this is getting a bit niche and sort of relates to point three, but 
one time that ETAP worked really well for me is when I had a splitter frame. And splitter frames, they seem to have gone out of fashion recently, but I think they're really cool because you can just get them in a suitcase and travel around with them. And people you know, can't give you hell for having a bike yeah. bag. You can just be like, this is just an irrationally huge bag. How dare you suggest yeah, this yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have a I have a breakaway frame too. And yeah, I, I just, I have a sticker on mine that says, uh, that it's a massage table or something. Oh, really? That's smart, yeah. Because <laughs> I look like a masseuse, don't I? Yeah, yeah you do. You do strike me as that. It's actually a lost calling. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I think the breakaway thing, I mean, I think, you know, it was all, leave it around. I think in the US it's more popular on the whole, actually, because the internal flight costs for bike transit are so high, which you've never had quite the same thing in Europe. I think we're getting there now with, again, it's been so long since I've traveled because of, you know, the pandemic. But I used to travel, you know, like probably take like 30 flights a year because, you know, the job's like when you're cycling person journalist and um you know it's always such a pain in the, and you'd book a flight with, with ryanair or whatever thinking oh this is only 80 quid then you have to pay 150 quid for the bike transit and then you know you're gonna be so i thought breakaway frames are really cool breakaway and splitter frames you know isnd couplers what have you um and that's when i thought a wireless system was really cool because you just completely removed the necessity for worrying about all these cable splitters and stuff and that's a bit of a niche point because there's not a lot of breakaway frames out there in the world but again i just think in terms of modernizing cycling it's a really cool thing when you think you can just fold the frame in two and it's no longer a massive issue um and then my last point will be back to this kind of uh earlier point which is purely about batteries and maybe again isn't restricted purely to wireless but you know with di2 we've always and with campano we've always seen this big central battery that is key to the whole operation and with etap we've got these smaller separate batteries and i think the separate battery small battery on each component is a really cool thing and uh, is actually necessary as a result of wireless and maybe people might say it, it's actually a limitation i think the opposite okay the battery life isn't as long but i think di2 and eps are needlessly long batteries and you know, it lasts for years and it's just you just you just lose the charger between charges which is the stupid thing and um and i, d I just find you know honestly it's always the bane of my life i was like, oh, going away but i haven't charged my back my bike for three months and i've moved house since then and where the hell is the charger and um so I think that smaller battery design is actually better to me because, and I've carried spares with me and actually I've done the thing of going on a ride and realizing both of my batteries are flat and someone else had a SRAM ETAP um, bike and then we managed to mix it around and both of us had shifting, which is really cool. Um, and again, it backs up that modular, easy maintenance thing. So those are all some quite niche points, I guess, ultimately about the functionality, which are quite easy to knock down a bit at least. I'm looking, for, <laughs> not looking forward to that. But, the, um, but I think on the whole, I think wireless, much like disc brakes and all these things, and one by to an extent, but I'm not going to get into that argument today. It's all about making cycling more appealing to newcomers. You take out those barriers that are like confusing maintenance. And what is, I mean, cave actuation is quite an archaic thing when you really think about it. it, is what, you know, the earliest, well, not the earliest bikes, but since the 30s onwards, you know, after the, the use of rods, effectively, we had cave actuated derailers, and nothing has changed. And I think wireless is a really important thing to say, okay, here's a big step change. And much like a lot of step changes, you know, sound cinema or what have you, where you introduce a new element, you're going to have drawbacks, but you, you change the whole medium to a way that you can design everything differently. And 10 years down the line, it will seem stupid that we were using cables. But, oh, yeah, remember these cable-based bikes? That was dumb. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but you know, obviously, I'll make a caveat there. I might, I might be jinxing myself because I don't want to argue against myself. You know, I think there's always a place for the, for the classic design of bikes, and there will always be bikes that are rim brakes and celebrated cable actuation, and that will be perfect for that for those bikes and people much like lovers of classic cars but i think new bikes and the majority of new bikes will at some point in the next 10 years predominantly be wireless based electronic systems all excellent points and uh i i have and in, in fact as you were talking i was like oh man i just thought of something really good 
<laughs> so I've got to, I've got some some things up my sleeve for after the break here, and uh, and we are just going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we get back, I will offer my counterpoint to Peter's wireless is the future argument with saying that wireless isn't necessarily the future. But first, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. So my name is Oren Peleg, and I'm an investor in Lekker. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. We're back. Dan Cavallari and Peter Stewart, Rulure Magazine, tech podcast. I guess I shouldn't say magazine. There's more to it than just a magazine. That I, uh, I'm, I'm here, Peter, to rain on your parade. Uh, and I know you're in London and you already have plenty of rain, but you, you don't have American rain, so I'm going to give you <laughs> some American rain here. Um, that's kind of rain that kills yeah. you, that kind of rain. That's proper rain, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? You know, like crushing that, the roof of your right. car type we, rain. It's rain cinder blocks, yeah. Uh, you, don't want to, uh, you don't want to mess with American rain. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> All right, so Peter, Peter made a pretty compelling... Uh, case for for wireless shifting and full disclosure, I have to tell you because I do have a um, a bike with SNS couplers and mine's a you know as you said a folding bike as it were uh, that I can stuff into a case for travel. Uh, I I run SRAM ETAP uh, wireless, and it is super handy. Uh, the, all the benefits you mentioned, absolutely spot on. Now here's why I think in the future it's not going to be as simple as saying wireless is the future. I think. What we're going to see instead is options and diversity. And I think one of the biggest reasons why is going to be price. Uh, consumers are very price conscious, especially when faced with the notion of saying, okay, do I want wireless shifting that's, you know, it's still going to change my gears, or do I want to save a grand and, you know, get the, the cable actuated system? I mean, for, for more cost, cost uh, conscious consumers, I think there's an appeal for for the for the cable actuated system or uh you know and 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 i don't think that wireless or even wired you know electronic systems are going to they're going to come down in price but they're not going to come down so significantly that it's going to make sense for really the vast majority of riders i think wireless is such a niche for us high-end riders uh for racers and things like that so i think that's probably the biggest reason the other reason i think is Think about vinyl uh, records. You know, back back in the day, vinyl was the thing, and that was what everybody listened to. And then the pendulum swung, and we had you know cassette tapes. We had eight track, which you know we can forget about that. But you know there was cassette tapes, and then there were CDs, uh, and you know MP3s and digital music and all that. And now we've swung back the other way, and people are coming back to vinyl. Why? It's not as good of a technology. Right, it it doesn't sound as good as an MP3 or as clean as an MP3. You have to flip the record halfway through, but I would argue that's what people love about it. 
right? It's the process of listening to music. It's the process and and sort of the character of that scratchy sound. Well, in a sense, that's that's what cable actuated systems do too, right? There's there's this sort of romance to shifting. And, and pushing that lever sideways and hearing the, the gears move and occasionally your, your gears rubbing and things like that. There's sort of a romance to it. And I think people really enjoy the process uh, of, of shifting in, in that way. Especially, I mean, I'm, we're seeing a resurgence in down, tube, down tube shifters, you know, like that's, that's crazy to me. I mean, there's some people who are listening to this who might not even have never even seen a down tube shifter before. And now we're seeing them, you know, crop back onto custom bills and things like that. Uh, so I think it's it's part of it is that experience, uh, that sort of loveliness of of riding bikes and 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 experiencing the physical movement of bikes. I mean, the very first shifting systems, people would just reach down with their hands and move the chain. So I think as long as we're above that, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing pretty well. Uh, so those those are two. You know, one one is sort of a practical matter in price, and one is sort of a romance. Uh, you know point. Um, but I do want to address some of the things that you mentioned, Peter, which were all very good points. And, and the batteries uh, are interesting. Um, I've ha- you know, I, I have two bikes. I have a gravel bike and a, and a road bike. On the road bike, I've got the ETAP wireless. And on the gravel bike, I've got the wired Shimano uh, GRX DI2. I love both of them, I got to tell you. Uh, and the batteries are so vastly different uh, both in, in terms of form and function. Uh, and I'll give you that. I love the idea of being able to swap batteries uh, when I need it with the ETAP system. Problem is I end up doing that a lot. Uh, frankly, the batteries just don't hold a candle to the length you get from a DI2 system. So for a gravel race, like a long gravel race, you know, there's a, there's a race here, Unbound Gravel, here in the U.S. Uh, it's, you know, you can do the, the big one. It's 350 miles. Uh I don't want to get halfway through that and say, oh man, I got to stop, swap my batteries out, you know, oh man, you know, my rear derailleur stopped shifting and I don't have, you know, whatever. I don't want to have to stop and swap batteries. The Shimano battery, as long as I got a full charge, I don't have to worry about it. It's going to last the whole time and then some. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I, and I think part of that, you know, is, is fixable for, for SRAM uh, with the wireless system. I'm sure that they can, at some point, get a better battery life out of their batteries, and and that system will be solved. Uh, and so that's not necessarily a um, an argument against wireless, but it is against wireless in its current form, as as it were. I think Shimano just they just rule the battery roost at this point, uh, and that's all based on a wired system. Now, it, it's it's important to mention too that Shimano seems to be based on their patent filings, seems to be dabbling with some sort of wireless system coming up. But even that seems to incorporate some wires. And I guess the question there is why? Um, and, and, you know, and I'm not technically savvy enough to know whether this is true, but my suspicion is that those wires uh, help make for faster shifting. Uh, I think the signal can, can just go faster from the shifter to the derailleurs, whereas, the, you know, the, the wireless system, I mean, think about your Wi-Fi at home, right? If you're wired into the, the, wifi, to the, the uh, Internet, hardwired with a cable, usually you get more reliable uh, internet service. Whereas if you're on the wireless, uh, it's, it, it's usually fast, but you know, it can come and go. Uh, so I think that might have something to do with it. I think shifting quickness is very important. Uh, and I think Shimano, again, 
I think really, I mean, part of that is just it being hardwired. I think the signal can just go faster and it can do more, uh, more reliably in all situations. So, uh, I may be, <laughs> maybe grasping at straws there. I'm not sure, but just based on my experience, the shifting is much faster. Uh, so th those are an another few arguments, uh, but I would say those aren't even the key arguments. Now I like cables. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, you know, and, and I think uh, it's also important to remember that, Peter, when was the first time you rode DI2? Uh, probably, again, when I first became like a cycling tech journalist full-time, I guess, uh, probably at like 2011 okay. or something like that, so ten like 10 years. years ago. And it would have been, yeah, early UI2, I yeah. think we called it, and we, the yep. first generation of, uh, and it was, yeah, pretty bulky 10-speed. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that would have been my first dabbling with yeah. uh, DI2. And when was your first experience with ETAP? wireless would have been in 2015 yep. 2016 okay. i think immediately after the launch yeah so was, 2015 yeah. so that's you know six years ago now so you and i have been riding electronic drivetrains whether wired or wireless for years i would argue that the vast majority of cyclists have never ridden it uh and so this is like totally foreign to them to us it is it's just normal it is the thing we do uh but i think the vast majority of cyclists in this world have not ridden electronic or wireless yet, which is why I think that it's likely that wired, you know, uh, excuse me, uh, cable actuated systems are still the future. Uh, because as the cycling world expands into, I mean, think beyond road bikes at this point, right? Think beyond gravel bikes. Most of the bikes that people are buying these days are, uh, you know, commuter bikes and, and low end bikes from Walmart, right? Uh, that's never going to go away and it's cheaper for brands to make it. Uh, so just, just in terms of numbers, vast numbers of, of who's buying bikes, I think cable actuated still has the edge. I think wireless and wired uh, electronic systems are still going to be niche. Um, I think you're going to see the high-end racers continue to use them. And I think e-bikers are going to start to use them. Uh, and that's going to be a more of an integrated system. But I also think with an e-bike, it doesn't really make sense to to go wireless, right? Because you've already got so much bulk, so weight's not going to be a concern. Uh, and hardwiring into that massive battery, you don't need those little swappable batteries anymore, you know? So you've got all the power you need just from the main battery. Uh, so you're still going to be probably be wired. Uh, it's certainly possible that they could do a wireless system integrated into the bike. But again, what's the point? You know, why would you... Why would you go down that road and, and spend all that R&D to make a wireless system when there's already this big bulky battery, there's this system that you can integrate very easily and quickly into the bulk of the, the, the battery and to the sort of the brain of the system, right? It's just not going to make sense uh, unless you're, you're a high-end e-bike user who's actually looking to save weight. Again, I still think wires are going to be a big, big part of that. Yeah, with e-bikes, you're de delving us into a whole unknown territory. <laughs> where I think even most, most like quite experienced road bike journalists know very little about e-bike shifting tech. And uh, I think, well, I think last time I rode a really brand new e-bike was the Shimano Alpine system, which actually is automatic shifting and it's internal rear hub. And I think I thought that was the most amazing thing. It was shifting by itself and it didn't even have a visible derailleur and it completely blew my mind and i was like this is this is this bike is visible yeah. from the future i did not know this tech existed <laughs> i was completely yeah. amazed but it was really impressive i mean and i think i could imagine maybe something like that happening in some part of the road 
category at some point. But uh, but yeah, I, d I don't know whether I think you're right. Like a central battery in an e-bike system probably would be something that would naturally power the shifting system in it. It depends again if you're talking about like rear hub based mm -hmm. motors. I mean, yeah it's, yeah, it's a whole world of different motor placements totally. and stuff. But um, I think on your on your general point, I think it's very true that. Yeah, the vast majority of the world's bikes will probably be wired yeah. for like a hundred years. But it's also worth saying that most uh, DI2 and wireless technology, well, is DI2 certainly originated from the hybrid mm -hmm. sector. Yep. So, and lots of uh, Shimano's innovations do come mm -hmm. from hybrid bikes. Where these hybrid bikes are used, I do not know because I've never seen that high-end a hybrid bike in Europe. But I don't know if in the Far East it's kind of common to spend three thousand sure. pounds or four thousand, five thousand pounds yeah. on a hybrid bike. Um, and I think the still the Matreya group set is a pretty um, advanced mm -hmm. hybrid group set, isn't it, with DI two? And I think there's a one-by option yep. there at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, um, I think yeah. But it's also there's, a, there's also one thing that I do is worth mentioning is that there is a whole world of group sets below our perception yes. of group sets, like the microshifts of this world. And microshift does have yes. an electric group set and might well have a wireless group yeah. set for all I know, because I do. I, I don't keep up to date with their recent developments. But, but you know, I think there's, there's like, I don't, I don't know how much a, a microshift group set costs in, say, China or Taiwan, but probably not a huge amount. And I don't know whether at some point that would actually be competitive commercially. Um, I'm just, you know, this is pure hypothetical crazy talk, but I just don't know how much it would cost. Well, and I, I think that I pulled the rug out from under you a little bit because, you know, Rulor, we, we talk about road bikes and, and we talk about cycling and, and, and racing. So I think, you know, by by broadening the scope here, I sort of pulled the rug out from you. But you know, I, I think you know you, you've got a point there that you, the the DI two did come over. You know that was originally sort of developed for the the commuter hybrid type style, it was like Nixavi or something. Um, but uh, you know the, the the bigger question here is exactly what you brought up with your your problem with the the chargers. You know, like I have to think about charging my system before I go out for a ride. Is it charged? I have to check. For for people who are, you know, leaving their apartment in the morning and they need to ride to work, they're not going to check that. You know, they just want something that's going to be there and that's going to work. And that's cables. Uh, you know, and, and as somebody who worked in a bike shop for a very long time, I can tell you that people go a very, very long time neglecting their bicycles before they, <laughs> you know, there's usually got to be a problem before they bring it in to get it fixed. Now, as I take your point on the overall charge, because I think you're right, I've, I've not done like a 500 kilometer race. And I think it would be really annoying if you do run out of charge. And um, I have had a DI2 battery fail on me in a sporty, but that was because I hadn't charged it for months and months beforehand and didn't check it. So, but the, um, but yeah, it's, it's an absolute nightmare because you, know, you cannot fix it. And I was stuck in like the, the 5017 or something and I had to climb uh, like some Mallorcan climb, like the Calder Feminina on that. And it was very, very, very difficult, I can tell you. Yeah, I think that that is valid. I think a bigger a bigger battery is useful. I mean, um, one thing I'd say though, I'd, before I forget, I mean, I think this issue about speed is an interesting one, speed of shift, because you said it's a minor one, but I actually think a lot of people make this point a lot of the time that uh, SRAM has a perception, Shamitap specifically has a perception of slow shifting. Um, generally, it's a bit reductive, but I don't really think that shifting speed at that point matters that much personally. And I, I don't, yeah, I guess maybe if you're, if you are an absolute world-class sprinter and you are sprint, you know, then maybe you really do need to shift ultra quick. But I, I generally have not noticed uh, SRAM being too slow at that point. But and then equally, 
I think at times, especially with the early DI2 shifting systems, this might sound insane, but I found it too quick. That I think you know, you, you, you'd press the shift and it would just so quickly shift. And often it would shift it, it would shift just the wrong point because you know over years of cables, we've learned to be in the right point of the pedal stroke so that shift kind of intuitively works. And you'd be like, and you'd be like whoa, crap, that's a fast shift. And then, and I think if I'm not mistaken, and I'm a bit behind on this, but I believe DI2 does have in, this, in the, in the um, E-Tube setup, you can change the speed of the shifting, can't you? I think between three settings. So there is obviously a consumer desire to not have the quicker shifting at all times, which is interesting, I think. But, um, but yeah, I just made that point. But then I do think a lot of people will be listening to this in like full of anger saying, no, I want <laughs> yeah. the quickest shifting possible. Yeah. How dare I'm getting angry right now listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> this shifting is too beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's a fair point. And I think that customizability is really one of the big uh, draws to any electronic system. I mean, and, and you mentioned the eTubes app. One, one of the complaints I've always had about... Uh, going one by is that now I have all these extra buttons on my DI2 lever on the other side. And then I got to thinking, I was like, wait a minute, I can customize that so that, you know, I can shift it in the same way that I shift an ETAP system, just one, one shift on one side, one on the other. So, you know, that it, I think that's something worth mentioning too, that these electronic systems really, you know, allowed for customizability and versatility we never had with cable actuated system. That said, I still think simplicity rules. I really do. I think for the vast, vast majority of riders, lower cost and and just simplicity it, it will always be king it will always be boss over the newest coolest stuff that you and i love because you know we get spoiled <laughs> uh so yeah i think I, I think both i mean honestly just for the sake of being competitive i think i won no <laughs> what it well let's we'll put it to the audience right so we we're we're, we're coming up on the end here of our of our podcast today and it was our first one so Let's let's put it to the audience. What do you all think? What do you think wireless is the future? Do you think uh, that it's that it's just going to be one option of many moving forward? Let us know. We want to hear from you, Peter. How how can people get in touch with us? Uh, well, you can uh, email info at ruler.cc or you can comment below uh, this post on Facebook. This will post us to Facebook and Instagram and uh, on Twitter. You can reach us at ruler and at ruler magazine on Instagram. So uh, yeah, many ways throw it out there we'll, we'll receive it one way or another and we'll we'll yeah uh, respond. and uh, and if you want to reach me directly you can get me at brown tie dan on most social media uh, especially on twitter and instagram and i'd love to hear from you and uh, of course if you have ideas that uh for topics you'd like us to cover on this we'd love to hear that too uh, we want to know what you are all interested in so given that this is our first episode and we'll you'll have to listen to us babble in the future <laughs> at least we should babble about things you want to hear about Peter, is there anything we forgot? Uh, no, I think we forgot that I actually oh, won. No, 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 no. <laughs> Are we going to keep? We're going to have to keep a tally, and I think uh, whoever wins at the end of the year has to buy the other a beer or something, <laughs> or an electronic yeah, group set. Good. A Belgian yeah. beer, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter, thanks for joining me yeah. today. It was, uh, it was fun to talk across the pond uh, about bikes, and and I'm glad we're going to get to do this again in the future. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's yeah. Been a pleasure. To all you listening, thanks for listening to us, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Rulor Tech Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.